Hey, here's some great news that the uh, that the mainstream media probably won't really tell you about. And if they do, it'll be a different spin than mine. Uh, the president is having all of these people like from Microsoft and, and Salesforce, all these great CEOs that love the Great Reset, all meeting at the White House today so they can try to encourage people to get behind Build Back Better. Because once we do that, that'll fix all of our problems. It will certainly fix the catastrophic existential threat of global climate change. It's the most important thing we can do right now. And also, I explain a little bit about um, inflation today. What causes it? I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? But we have a way from the Wall Street Journal on how you can have it not affect you all that much. I'm going to give you a little hint, spoiler alert, just accept it, okay? Because we don't know what really causes it. So just lower your standards, America. Or, as I will tell you on today's show, the exact opposite. Also, Peter Swizer is on with us, red-handed, stunning information about elites and Biden selling America out to the Chinese. And don't miss the special on Glenn TV tonight, blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. You'll save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. And it happens right after a brand new Stu Does America. Don't miss it. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Joe Biden is yesterday. He had ice cream. They couldn't say what he had on his schedule, but we now know what he had on his schedule. He had to stop at an ice cream parlor and he got a nice ice cream cone. I don't know what flavor. I don't know who asked him. Um, but uh, today he's got a big day in front of him. He's going to meet in person with CEOs of 10 major corporations to discuss the potential benefits to business of his Build Back Better Act. Now, this is how it's being described. The social safety net bill that passed the House last year but stalled in the Senate. That's not what this is. This is not a social safety net bill. The Build Back Better bill is the Great Reset. That's the slogan for the Great Reset. According to the White House official who requested anonymity on Tuesday, probably because they don't want anybody to know they're associated with the White House at this point, uh, to preview the event. Uh, they were asked to preview it. It's still being finalized. The uh, executives will all be there in person. No one will be attending virtually. That's a change from past CEO events that he has hosted. Uh, and here are the people that are expected to be with him today. Uh, Mary Barra, she is the chair and chief executive officer of General Motors. Mark Beninoff, chair, co-chief, executive officer, and founder of Salesforce. He is one of, he's also on the WEF uh, board of directors. He is the chief salesman uh, when it comes to, um, when it comes to the Great Reset. Thusunda Brown Duckett, president, chief officer of TIAA. Jim Farley, uh, the uh, chief executive officer of Ford. Barbara Humpton, President CEO of Siemens. Uh, Tom Leinbarger, he's the CEO of Cummins. Enrique Lores, uh, the Executive Officer of HP. Josh Silverman, 
The chief executive officer of Etsy, Brad Smith. What a surprise. President and vice chairman of Microsoft. Wendell Weeks, chairman and CEO of Corning. These are all people that are in and fully supportive of the Build Back Better Act and the Great Reset. So he is having a PR meeting today, bringing in all the people that are all deeply on board for the Great Reset. And he's going to have a little meeting with them. And then they're all going to go out to the media and say, this is going to help our economy. It's going to help. No, it's going to help our economy. So what is the big thing that's going to help our economy? Well, a reset of capitalism. That's what's going to help. And uh, something called ESG scores, environmental, social justice, and governance scores. And these governance scores are going to help people navigate the very tricky financial waters that we're going into because of climate change. Um, Let me uh, give you this. Regulators, federal regulators, today, a new story from Politico, are likely to press banks to prepare for the fallout from a warming planet. So the planet is getting so warm right now that federal regulators are saying, you better, as banks, you better prepare for this. And one of the things you need to do is stop financing fossil fuels. If you think your gas price is high today, give it a year. You must stand up in your state. You have to call your congressman and your senator. You cannot let the, uh, the uh, Build Back Better bill or anything like it to pass. You've got to get into regulation because it's everywhere. It's in everybody's company. If you work for a big company, it's in your company. The way to stop it is through the financial sector. You got to get to the banks and to the credit card companies because they're the ones that are pushing all of this and they're the ones that are going to affect everything all the way down to your auto loan. So <clears throat> the job of the regulators uh, is to ensure safety and soundness of financial institutions and promote financial stability. Now, this actually makes sense. That's uh, Andy Barr. He's the uh, GOP representative from Kentucky. He says their job is not to pick winners and losers in credit markets and politicize the allocation of capital or to solve climate change. Now, Biden has just tapped Sarah Bloom Raskin. She is a warrior against fossil fuels. She's been saying fossil fuels, that is a horrible, horrible investment. She's now going to be, she's been picked for the top job for the regulations at the Federal Reserve. Martin Grunberg, he's taking over the FDIC um, and... uh, you know, Trump's person, they forced her to resign. Uh, and now you've got another climate warrior at the top of FDIC. You also have the comptroller of the currency uh, is now being led on an acting basis by Michael Shu, who has put climate issues front and center. You have Security and Exchange Committee's uh, chair, Gary Gensler. He is he is enacting sweeping rules that will require banks and other public companies to disclose their contributions to climate change and environmental risks. Um, it, a huge, 
massive shift faster than anyone could imagine is coming. Now, let me give you what's happening overseas with our own Treasury Secretary. So Janet Yellen met for the WEF Davos Agenda annual meeting. It just ended. And there was a conversation with Janet Yellen, Secretary of the Treasury, uh, with Klaus Schwab actually hosting. And um, after telling Schwab that the old supply side model for lower taxes and reduced regulations just doesn't work, and Biden's new Build Back Better is just so much more promising, uh, she said, importantly, the Biden administration, uh, their economic strategy embraces rather than uh, rejects something kind of important. Here she is. Listen. Importantly, the Biden administration's economic strategy embraces rather than rejects collaboration with the private sector through a combination of improved market based incentives and direct spending based on empirically proven strategies. Okay, so what she's saying here is the Biden administration through the Treasury and through the Federal Reserve are going to now partner with businesses. Do you want your government partnering with all of the biggest businesses? Exactly what's happening in the White House today. Do you want that? Because that is fascism. I just want you to know that is the technical definition of fascism. Do you want the United States government to through what did she just say through market based incentives and direct spending? So in other words, the government will put direct spending your tax dollars into these companies for proven strategies. And they will have market based incentives. Another in other words, ESG scores get out of that business and you can you can have your business. Otherwise, you'll be destroyed. That is fascism. That is not the free market. Now, she goes on to say, we just have a different focus. Listen to this. Essentially, we aren't just focused on achieving a high top line growth number that is unsustainable. We're instead aiming for growth that is inclusive and green. Mm. The economic moment is well suited to accommodate such a modern supply side expansion. So we are not focused on high top line economic growth. Well, that's pretty obvious. A year ago, our growth was 30 percent with everything shut down. Our GDP was 30 percent. Our GDP today is what, three, three and a half percent. So they're clearly not interested in any kind of top line economic growth. They're only interested in growth that is sustainable, green and inclusive. ESG. So they want to make sure that we spread the wealth around. And the best way to do that is to pick winners and losers. Then Klaus Schwab had something to say. He is the head of the World Economic Forum. He is the guy who's really spearheading the Great Reset. Here's what he just said. Remember, this conference ended two days ago. Here's what he said. It was fascinating, uh, certainly for our um, participants, to hear from you how the different aspects of your 
uh, economic approach of uh, the administration, Biden administration approach, is integrated into an overall concept of the modern uh, supply side economics. And I think, uh, uh, just in a nutshell, that's probably the pathway which we have to choose in the context of mm. today and to create a modern economy mm. which is not just successful in creating prosperity but creating inclusive prosperity, uh, also sustainable and also resilient prosperity. Mm. Yes, says Janet Yellen. So we're not looking for, you know, we have to choose. Are, are we going to are we going to have a, 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 a system that creates prosperity or inclusive prosperity and sustainable and green prosperity? That's what we have to choose. They're not choosing. They are going to continue to eat their caviar and ski the sl- uh, ski slopes. You, you are going to feel the impact. But don't worry. The elites are here. The elites have a plan for you. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. We have Mr. Peter Swiser on the phone with us. Hello, Peter. How are you? Hey, it's great to be on with you. Thanks for having me. I have been waiting to have this interview, and I know we're doing a a longer in-depth interview next week and a chalkboard and everything else to show. Yeah. uh, Yeah all of the connections to china and it is it's disgusting we are committing suicide aren't we well our elites are committing suicide right it's it's uh, i begin the book talking about vladimir uh, lenin's prediction about you know the capitalists will sell us the rope by which we'll hang them uh he talked about how the elites uh, were going to be deaf uh, dumb and blind in the light of what the soviets were doing of course, the Soviets couldn't afford to do it. They didn't have any money to buy off people in the West. Uh, China does. Uh, and what Lenin predicted is absolutely happening. Uh, the American elites, large numbers of them, uh, are selling out the country for personal profit and because they have this kind of affection for the dictatorial model that, that Beijing follows. So that is something that people don't understand. I'm going to get into some of the meat of this, and we're going to start with uh, Joe Biden. But uh, first, I, I think you need to explain, because people will say, why would these capitalists want to be in bed with these guys? What, why would they want this to spread even over here? Well, it's a great question. I mean, if you look at China, uh, China is not really a Marxist country, but they're a Leninist country. Uh, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, they have uh, uh, companies, they have corporations, uh, and they have a, a very uh, powerful elite that governs things. So the elite not only is rich, but they also have political power. Uh, in the United States, it's slightly different. It doesn't mean the rich people don't have political power, but it's more broken up. That was the genius of the founders. What you find is with guys like Bill Gates, uh, guys like Elon Musk, uh, I quote them extensively in the book. Um, they actually like the Chinese system. The Chinese system's more efficient. They get things done more effectively. Uh, one guy says, you know, they know how to get things across the finish line. Uh, dictatorship has that example. So when you look at a guy like, you know, Bill Gates or Elon Musk or, you know, some of the big guys on Wall Street that I name, do they really need the money? No. I mean, Bill Gates is worth more than $100 billion, but 
there's this notion, this sense that that China knows how to govern and address world problems better than the United States does. That's what I think part of the reason is they get in bed with them because they feel like there's kind of this joint effort in tackling these global right. problems. So, but is this is how do they shut their eyes to the atrocities in China? Uh, uh, very simply, uh, they either explain them away or ignore them or believe that there are other bigger problems. Uh, one of the things I talk about in the book is, you know, the issues related to climate change, you know, not getting into the whole debate of yeah, yeah, real, yeah. what causes it. But, um, you know, China has very effectively said, um, you know, if you bring up human rights, we're not going to cooperate with you on climate change. Um, and that's actually part of a strategy I outline in the book, how the origins of the Paris Climate Accord really came from a mm-hmm. Chinese united front group. The point is, is that they turn a blind eye because they feel like there are, quote unquote, bigger problems to tackle, ignoring the fact that the very nature of the Chinese regime is the reason we can't trust them to keep their word. Um, they ignore that. And that's the, the, the calculation that they've made. Uh, we're going to ignore um, uh, the, the internment of the Uyghurs. We're going to ignore human rights violations. We're going to ignore the fact that they covered up uh, uh, the COVID virus, leading to you know, m- you know millions of additional global deaths because of the conduct. They're going to ignore all that because they feel like President Xi and what China wants is common cause with them on a lot of these issues. And by the way, they can make a lot of money at the same time. So you said that this is the most disturbing work you've ever done, the most disturbing personally uh, to you, and you think it's the most disturbing uh, message uh, to put out. Do you, can you give me um, a bit more on that feeling and why? Sure. You know, Glenn, you and I have known each other for a very long time. Uh, and we've talked a lot about corruption. We've talked about insider trading in the stock market by members of Congress. We've talked about Hillary Clinton. We've talked about the Bidens. The uh, Bushes. Those are all, uh, the Bushes, absolutely. Those are all, you know, in, in important um, individual cases. What we're dealing here is, is with an entire class of people. I mean, if you look at the section on Silicon Valley in the book, you know, you've got the, you've got Google, you've got Zuckerberg, you've got Bill Gates, you've got Elon Musk. These are the most powerful people in Silicon Valley, and they they all say the most outrageous things about the Chinese regime. Will you do me all, do, do me a favor because I think this one story uh, about Zuckerberg meeting President Z with his wife is truly unnerving. Yeah, uh, so Zuckerberg has a long history of kowtowing to Beijing. Uh, Zuckerberg, of course, is uh, married uh, to a woman who's ethnically Chinese. Uh, he meets President Xi at a state dinner that President, then-President Barack Obama is holding in 2015. Zuckerberg, obviously eager to do business in China, ends up doing some deals in China, um, goes up to President Xi at the state dinner with his wife, who is pregnant, uh, and he asks the dictator of China if he would provide a name for his child, a Chinese name. He's, you know, he's going to have a, an American name, but also have a Chinese name. Will you name my child? Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, to me, that is really disturbing because, first of all, he's a dictator. He's this oppressive guy. But second of all, this is a very personal thing. This is the naming of your child. And he's asking Xi to do it. And Xi uh, basically says, oh, that's too great a responsibility. Even Xi thinks this is creepy in my mind and says, no, thank you. I'm not going to do it. 
but there are multiple examples with Zuckerberg. And another one is the head of the Chinese Communist Party propaganda department visits Facebook headquarters. Um, and of course, Zuckerberg gives him the tour. Uh, then the, um, he takes him into his office. Zuckerberg takes him into his executive office where the propaganda chief sits down. And he notices a familiar book, a 500-page book, sitting on Zuckerberg's desk. It's the collected speeches and statements of China's President Xi. And the propaganda chief picks it up and says, oh, this is interesting. And Zuckerberg tells him, oh, yes, I'm reading it, and I'm having all the senior executives in my company read this so they can understand socialism with Chinese characteristics. What kind of tech executive does that? Um, To me, it's very disturbing, and it's not just pandering. It speaks, I think, to a deeper problem with a lot of these people. It reminds me an awful lot of IBM in the 1930s. Um, we're yeah. talking to Peter Swizer. He is uh, the author of Red Handed. It comes out today. Um, the the real meat uh, is all about China, but the one that will capture a lot of people's attention, of course, not the press at all, is Peter is the guy who broke the story in 2018 of Hunter Biden's massive business deals in China made while Joe Biden was vice president. Um, they said that, oh, well, he didn't really make a lot of money on that, blah, blah, blah. Peter has new details. Peter has the laptop, uh, and he has gone through it with a fine-tooth comb. It's not the whole book, and that should really disturb you. Um, It is a portion of the book on the Bidens. The book that is coming out today, uh, Red-Handed, How American Elites Get Rich, Helping China Win. Uh, with uh, Peter Swizer. Okay, so Peter, you broke the story in 2018. Nobody paid attention, said it was conspiracy. They said that he didn't really make any money. You now have the goods that not only did he make a lot of money, but his father was directly involved in these business dealings with the highest levels of the Chinese uh, party. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, the the interesting and I think very troubling evolution of the story. Uh, you know, you and I talked about this when the book came out in 2018, um, and it was a story of cronyism and corruption and uh, self-dealing by uh, American politician Joe Biden. Um, what we did was take the new material, which are the email collections of a couple of Hunter Biden's business partners, uh, the laptop itself, Secret Service travel records uh, that was released by the U.S. Senate. Uh, And what we really wanted to find out, Glenn, is how did these deals happen in China? How does a guy who's the son of a vice president go to China and line up these deals? No, no, no. Wait, Uh, wait, wait. Not just the son of a vice president. A an out of control drug user, a guy who is a very risky bet on any level. Get those meetings. Yes, very, very important point to make. You're exactly right. So we want to know who opened these doors in China. And what we found by going through the emails is that there were basically five deals uh, that the Biden family got. um, And there were a collection of businessmen that opened those doors. And each one of those businessmen has direct ties to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. 
So, so for example, um, the, the Bohai Harvest deal, BHR that we mm-hmm. talked about, this is the private equity deal. Hunter gets on this board seat. He has no background in finance. One of the guys that made that happen is a Chinese businessman, kind of sketchy guy named Che Fang. Che Fang at that time was business partners with the vice minister of state security in China, a guy named Ma Jian. Ma Jian was in charge of the so-called Number 8 Bureau, and his responsibilities included recruiting foreigners to spy for China. He had additional responsibility for North American intelligence operations. Good. That's the first businessman that is opening a door for Hunter Biden, puts him on the board of this private equity fund. His valuation ownership is around $20 million for basically doing nothing. The second businessman that helps with that deal and then also sends another $5 million to another one of Hunter Biden's businesses is a guy named Mr. Zhao. Uh, Mr. Zhao at the time was business partners with the daughter of the former minister of state security, which is the guy that runs the entire spy apparatus for China. Um, so you have those deals. Um, and this would be have- like, wait, wait, wait. This would be like getting President Z's son business deals, and they have all been brokered by the head of the FBI, CIA, and NSA. Am I wrong? Correct. That, that's exactly right. Or use a Cold War example. Imagine if we would have tolerated in the Cold War, you know, Harry Truman's daughter, uh, you know, or Eisenhower's kids uh, getting deals with people directly tied to the head of the KGB. I mean, it's unfathomable, but that's exactly where we are. So we trace these deals back, Glenn. It's all sourced in the book. Uh, It's all open source information. But in sum, uh, the Bidens got five deals totaling some $31 million. And every single one of those deals trace back to individuals with links to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. And the part that is important that you touched on at the beginning is This is not just a Hunter Biden story, because the other thing that is revealed by these new email collections is that Hunter Biden was uh, getting money from foreign sources uh, and he was sharing that money with his father. Uh, In fact, there are there are messages where Hunter's complaining to other family members saying, I have to give half my money to pop meaning his dad. And you could say, well, you know, maybe it's just, you know, he's he's on drugs or he's just mad. But that assertion is supported by the emails. And you find that Hunter Biden is paying for repairs and uh, renovations on Joe Biden's property up in Delaware. This is when Joe Biden's Joe Biden is vice president of the United States. He's paying for things like his, his monthly phone bill. I mean, we found tens of thousands of dollars. I'm sure there's a lot more. Um, he is he is effectively subsidizing his father's lifestyle and he's using foreign money to do it. Um, And by the way, that is not legal. If you are a politician, you can accept occasional gifts from family members, but family members and their businesses cannot subsidize your lifestyle and pay your bills. But that's precisely what Hunter Biden has been doing for Joe Biden. Um, And, and, you know, it's directly linked to these foreign deals that he's making. Um, so we have a, a president who is compromised on almost every front. Um, you know, he says that uh, that uh, Donald Trump was compromised by Vladimir Putin, except everything that Donald Trump did 
with Vladimir Putin did not work to Putin's advantage. Um, here, the case is is dramatically the opposite. Um, but we're living in a time now where because of China and because of Biden, the press isn't going to. I mean, this is the most stunning, illegal, clearly un-American activity I have ever seen produced outside of the guy who was actually a spy for the FBI. I remember his name uh, that was arrested during the Reagan administration. It's that kind of level. And no one's going to talk about it. Nothing's going to happen, Peter. Well, here's the thing we have to keep in mind. Uh, We have to keep in mind that the American people um, did not know a lot about this. Remember, in the 2020 election, they suppressed when the New York Post first started running stories about the laptop. I believe, and I think it's the reason, Glenn, you get out of bed in the morning and, 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 and come to work, is the American people cares about these things. And there are enough people in Washington, elected people in Washington, whether they believe in the republic or whether they simply want to uh, keep their jobs. When the American people rise up and raise this as an issue that is important to them, it cannot be ignored. And the important thing to keep in mind is that Joe Biden in his presidency is doing what Beijing wants to do. Now, it's important to keep in mind, you know, people will say, well, you know, Joe Biden, he, he you know, put this diplomatic uh, uh, boycott for the Olympics or, you know, he criticized them right. for the leaders. One of the things I point out in the book is the Chinese have a concept called big help with a little bad mouth. As long as you're doing the big things to help them, if you say some negative things, they're not worried about it. Holy cow. Peter Weiser, we will talk to you uh, next week. You will be in studio with us. We're going to spend the, the morning with you. And then uh, next week's Wednesday night special, Red Handed, we'll have it all on a chalkboard for you. That's next week. The book is available now. It's a must-own Red Handed by Peter Weiser. The best of the Glenn Beck program. In the first hour of today's radio podcast, I spoke about the American spirit and I talked about people who just were not stopped. They just it no matter what happened to them, uh, the American experience, um, the American spirit fuels you you don't stop and give up and you're like well guess we're gonna have to live with that instead we innovate we find different ways to do things yeah but jeez the supply chain so hard what did we do before we had that I bet we acted locally. Yeah, but you don't know the locals around here. They're all hicks. Right now, you're spending a lot more in your grocery store. And so we could sit around and complain about it, or we can showcase people who are doing something about it. Every day, I want to show you some people that are thinking out of the box and, quite honestly, will be the ones that restore us. Today, I want to share with you a story that I, I had um, that I found yesterday, um, and it, it all revolves around a guy named Scott Carnes. 
He is a second generation family member of Carnes Quality Foods. This is in, I think, western Pennsylvania. He's well, I'll just ask him, Scott, how many stores do you have? Well, we have 10 stores, Glenn, and we're all in central Pennsylvania, central Pennsylvania. Um, and I read yesterday what you're doing uh, with just meat uh, alone is game changing. And I hope other people will do this in grocery stores. Tell me the problem with the grocery stores that, you know, you were spotting and what you were trying to solve. Well, what we saw, we had a supply problem during the early times of COVID and, you know, big issues with getting enough beef and pork, eggs, those type of items. Um, so we, we went out and sourced out and actually are setting up farms here in central Pennsylvania. And we currently have over 800 head of cattle out on local family farms being raised for our stores. And they Good will be you. hitting the stores in just a few months. Good for you. Um, tell me, how hard was that, first of all? Um, it was extremely hard. Uh, I am working with a company called Keystone Farm Future, and uh, they they have been working with me. We had to get veterinarians on board. We had to get herd managers, um, nutritionists. Um, they're they're, they're well-tended well cattle, um, you know, great Angus cattle that we're, that we're raising here. A lot of the farms used to be dairy farms that just couldn't, couldn't keep, keep it, it going in, in small dairies. So, Correct. you know, we gave them a way to, to raise beef cattle, which is a little easier than, than dairy, but yeah. farmers are still great people. The farmers are, I mean, the farmers right now, because of these big, you know, four big meat processing plants, which you'll never convince me they're not the mob. Uh, I'm a rancher myself. It is, it's impossible for a rancher to make money because they're taking all of the money it's uh you know they're taking it and buying cows uh, for less amount of money than you can than you can raise them for uh and so that's really hurting any farmer any rancher at all so these are all local farms that's not you're not going to some big industry no i've got uh, right now i've got 14 farms that are participating we've got loads of farms that said they want to get involved in it each week we add more cattle and we're out the biggest farm i have out there is um is just a hundred head of, of cattle and what will the what will the difference be in price between you and everybody else well i will tell you we are are paying our farms farmers a little bit more for their weight of gain than sure. what they would be making on their own so Have we're to. just hoping to, that there will be Meat. A break-even point for us on the the cost. We're not looking at this being a big savings. It's going to give us. A I meant for no. I, I meant for the. I meant for the consumer. Is yeah, there the consumer going to be a, will not be seeing any price increase from this because of of the way that we're doing okay. it. There will not be big savings. Um, you know, because corn corn prices are up. You yeah, know, the, the yeah. cost of transportation to the Correct. to the farms getting this cattle out there is all up. Well, the good news is is that we're. We have it. I'm so tired of living in a country that is is saying, well, we're just going to have to get used to it. Since when? People need to innovate like you are. And the best thing we can do is uh, is go local. What is the reaction from the community? I, I have to tell you, the community has been ecstatic about it. But, you know, they keep asking me, when is the beef going to hit the markets? And we have, we have 10 stores here. 
And that's the great part. I, I know that I can sell this beef. It's going to be, you know, federally inspected, federally graded, you know, so that we have that assurance out there for the consumer. But we're using small processors here. We have uh, just some small processors here in Pennsylvania. Fortunately, we're lucky to have that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, from the farm to the processors, short travel and right to my stores, even fantastic. And, and you're not having a pushback at all from the federal government, because I know, you know, I know about 10 years ago, those Amish making that butter Oof, federal government had a problem with that uh but you're not getting pushback from the federal government we have gotten no pushback at great. all actually i've gotten great great cooperation from great. the Pennsylvania department of agriculture uh, has been been uh great helping me find different sources and farms out there i'm glad to hear that scott thank you for what you're doing for the farmers uh the ranchers thank you for what you're doing for your customers and uh, and and restabilizing us in your own hometown in your own way. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate it. We're really excited about this beef program. Well, you'll have to let us know when it's available uh, so I can mention I it. Thank you very much. Thank you. You bet. Scott Carnes, he's the CEO, president of Carnes Food. That's, uh, I think, around Harrisburg, um, a, a small you know, group of, of grocery stores. These are the kinds of things that we need to be doing. We, the more we can focus locally, the better off we are. And it's, it's um, you know, we, we, we put together a, a supply chain that once we all really understood the supply chain, didn't we all go, wait, really? That's how it works? Thinking that's miraculous the way it was working. Did you have that reaction on uh, just in time, the supply chain just in time? Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. It is a modern miracle. I pencil to the 50th degree. Yeah. And it's literally a modern miracle. The problem with it is, is once you have a disruption, how do you bring it back online? And if you have a disruption or a war or anything else, what do people do? Because if it's just in time and that food chain and that supply chain is breaking down, you got nothing. You got nothing. The best thing we can do, as it may take five years to get the just in time supply chain back, if it ever really comes back, the best thing we can do is be self-sufficient. And you don't need the government's help on it. You just need to reinvent. I'm telling you, Carnes Food will expand in the future they may not make any money and people may not have uh you know big savings on the meat but they'll have meat and more importantly they will see a company that is reinvesting in their neighbors their friends and their area and that's important if you have a business you need to start investing in your local area that's why i've been telling you get away from these big banks Find a local bank. And what that means is a locally owned and operated. We're going to talk about this tonight on the TV show at nine. A locally owned and operated one that is not, you know, it might say Bob's Bank of Milwaukee. And you look at it and you're like, you're Wells Fargo. You're looking for things that are locally owned and operated and that the money and just go ask the banker. I'm thinking about doing my banking here. They'll tell you anything. Um, you know, as long as it's true. Uh, and you you go in and you say, your loans, 
Do you sell your loans or do you keep your loans here? We keep our loans here. Why is that important? That's important because you know that bank doesn't do risky stuff because they're on the hook for it. And they're not doing it and saying, I just get that off our books. So they're responsible people. Do, and if you keep your loans here, you're, you're making sure that you're investing and you actually care what happens to that business. I, I do everything with a bank called Southlake Bank, and it's local. And I picked them to purchase our studios. They'll stop by from time to time. I know them. They'll be like, hey, how are things going? Uh, you know, they care. They care. Because it's their money, too. So it's really important. Local, local, local. Everything you do, local. Na, na, na.